Hello to all of you. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, and welcome to my podcast, which we're calling TMI, The Motivation Inside. I hope you've been enjoying these weekly podcasts. My goal is for all of you to use them as a tool to help you understand and process some of the elements of success, to know what it takes, to know what is expected of you. And I want these podcasts to have some kind of impact, to be personal, to answer the questions you guys are all thinking about. It is here. I will try to give you a glimpse into who I am as a person, how I got here, and also what I've learned along the way, including all of the blemishes, which I think are so important uh, not to sanitize as we become successful. I find so many people uh, try to pretend that it was an easy course uh, en route to their success, and they had everything figured out the whole way, which is obviously not true. So don't ever believe that nonsense. You got to know that achieving success takes a lot of hard work and includes a lot of soul searching to find something that you really love. It doesn't matter if you're a low man on the totem pole when you get started or you're the CEO today. We all must figure it out and, and, and realize what's in our hearts, what's in our souls uh, to really achieve uh, in a way that's going to make us truly happy. Today, I want to talk about what it takes to be a super intern and I want all of you millennials out there that are listening to this podcast to listen up. My generation thinks that you suck, and I'm going to tell you why. We have babied you. Uh, we have helicopter parent over you. We gave you awards for being ninth place in soccer, and we pinned them up on the wall, and we told you how great you were. And this was part of the 70s, 80s self-esteem movement. If I just tell my kid how great they are, how tall they are, how good-looking they are, well, then they're going to be fantastic, okay? But you know what? What we've learned through modern psychology is that stuff really doesn't work. It's only achievement and some aspects of self-reliance that are ultimately going to make you feel good about yourself. Your mommy patting you on the head and telling you how fantastic you are, not going to do it. So... My generation thinks that you suck. If I didn't say that before, I want to say it one more time. My generation thinks that you suck, so listen up. I want to talk to you about being a great intern, working for the summer, taking it seriously, uh, and building habits that you're going to need for the rest of your life. Habits about working on a team. Habits about recognizing that sometimes you have to be subordinate to other people. Habits about dealing with a bruised ego uh, when someone on the job is telling you they don't like your attitude or they don't like the way you're working at something. And how to develop the skills of resiliency, uh, the skills of uh, positive self-talk, uh, the skills of self-coaching, but also taking coaching from other people uh, because I think that's uh, super important as well. So I'll talk a little bit here about Skybridge. Uh, we have about 25 interns every summer. Uh, full staff here at Skybridge is about 72 people. So we literally are increasing staff by about 35 40% in the summer, and we're really doing it for one reason, and that is to help younger people get some experience on their resume and to pay it forward uh, for those who've helped us when we were the young bucks in our early stages of our career. I'm filled with pride to be able to offer this opportunity to a lot of these young people. I also know what it takes to frantically search for an internship. I know what it's like to make an opportunity like this work for you. Uh, and so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to talk to you about my personal guide to being a phenomenal summer intern. Okay, so let's talk about that. Uh, 
For those of you who don't know me, just to repeat it one more time, I'm the founder of Skybridge Capital, a global investment firm with about $13 billion of capital under management. I'm also a Fox News and Fox Business contributor, and I host what was an iconic show, and we're hoping to return to its iconic status, the show Wall Street Week on the Fox Business Network. That's Friday nights at 8 p.m. We also replay the show Sunday and Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. on both those days. I'm the author of two books, A Little Book of Hedge Funds and Goodbye Gordon Gecko. Uh, at the end of the summer, I'm going to publish a third book on a field guide to entrepreneurship, uh, the, the mistakes that you make along the way, failing upward, basically. Uh, working title, don't have an exact title yet. So if some of you guys want to email us at podcast, it's podcast at skybridgeinsights.com with a title. Uh, your title may end up on the front of my book. Before I get to my story of how I got here, uh, with some of you, I shared that with my first podcast. I want to talk about the things that I wish I knew when I was 20 years old, which was basically a junior at Tufts University. The lessons that I've learned from them, uh, I certainly wish that I had known 32 years ago. So let's talk about lesson number one. You know absolutely nothing. Nothing. You have no idea how you got here. You have no idea why your parents were selected for you uh, to, to raise you. You don't understand why you were born in the geographic location that you're in. You know absolutely nothing. Socrates once said that the smartest people in the world know nothing. Uh, and so recognize that every day of your life and force yourself to ask questions about the world, science, mathematics, sociology, political history, economic history, force yourself to ask questions so you can get some perspective on how the ant colony, also known as human civilization, I just want you to think about it because when you're flying in a plane at 30,000 feet or you're about to land in a major city, let's face it, it looks like an ant colony. So just focus on what makes that system work and what are the best practices for that system? And if you think about it from an individual perspective, what are the best practices of some of the brightest minds, the most industrious people, the most productive and efficient people in our society? So you have to ask these questions. As you get older, you may have a greater perspective on these things. Uh, but I can tell you at age 52, I know less than I thought that I knew at age 20. Uh, and so recognize that you know nothing. Number two, super important. I really hope you'll listen to this. Read. The fastest way to accelerate experience is to absorb and inundate yourself with the experience of others. And guess what? Smart people like to write books. Uh, they want to leave some kind of legacy about themselves to the world. They have perhaps an insight that they want to share uh, I started uh, about 25 years ago reading some of the greatest books in Western civilization because I looked at it and said, wait a minute, over 5,000 years of human history, whether it's Socrates or uh, it's uh, John Locke or J.S. Mill or William Shakespeare, uh, there's a living legacy of some of the brightest minds that have ever lived. Uh, it's all put down there in writing for you. It's a real shame that the uh, fire took place at the library in Alexandria back in Egypt uh, many thousands of years ago. Who knows how much information uh, we could have garnered from those places. Uh, but there you go. You've got 5,000 years of human history. 
Uh, you have an amazing group of people that you can learn from, from a philosophy perspective, science, uh, economics. You should read both von Mises and Karl Marx. Uh, they're on the opposite sides of things economically, and you should certainly understand what they're doing. Now, what I know uh, as a parent of four children, I know that millennials have a hard time reading uh, because they are so super focused on the glowing of their faces. They like to take out that fat screen, have their face aglow, snap a sexy picture of themselves, sanitize it with a few filtrations, and then send it out to the world to let them know how perfect their life is. Okay, That sounds great, but while you're doing that, you're wasting time and energy uh, that you could put towards reading and learning. Okay, so just listen to me, please. Reading gives you a comprehensive view of different topics. Now, the world has become miniaturized because of the phones and Internet. I often say in some of my public speeches, what would you rather have, the library card to the Library of Congress, which has every knowable book in its library, or would you rather have your smartphone, your iPhone 6S? And, of course, the answer for all of us is the latter, uh, because the world has effectively become miniaturized. You can access information from all over the world just by looking at that little seven-inch screen. And if you have an iBooks account or a Kindle, uh, you can download books onto that phone. You can begin the process of reading. You can go to audible.com. Uh, you can download audio recordings when you're working out, getting a massage, driving in the car. Uh, you can pick up information on a daily basis that you wouldn't have had if you didn't start that process now. So find things that you love and read about them. Uh, there's a book out right now called The World According to Star Wars, uh, and I'm reading that book. It's actually a political and social philosophy book, and it ties back into the great Star Wars mythology. And so if you're a Star Wars geek, go out there and buy it. You'll learn something about life. I, I really believe that we have to focus on our human relationships and our human interactions, so try to stay off the phone and focus and this is something I have to say to myself, by the way, too, because I'm really terrible at it. Number three, do not compare yourselves to others. Boy, this is a super hard thing because I remember when I was 20 years old, I was trying to be the best, compare myself to others. I had to get into certain schools, and that meant other people that were sitting around me couldn't get into those schools because there was only so many slots. I had tremendous anxiety about this, uh, but what really comes to pass is that you find your way no matter what school you're going to. You find your way no matter what degree that you get. Uh, and so don't compare yourselves to others. You know, I went to the World Economic Forum. I wrote about this in my first book, Goodbye, Gordon Gecko. I was 43 years old for the first time back in 2007, and I was super happy to be there. I put my best first impression suit on. I loaded my business cards into my front pocket on my suit, and I went to the cocktail party there. And as I walked around in that cocktail party, I started to feel depressed because there I was at age 43 talking to billionaires and zillionaires and Nobel Prize winners and people that were changing the world, uh, and yet I felt very under-accomplished relative to them. I went back to my one-star Swiss hotel, and this is one of the fun things about Davos. They shove all these billionaires into these one- or two-star hotels. So I'm back in this, like, little thin mattress, one-star hotel, pulling the sheet over my head, 
and a sign of depression saying, where did I go wrong with my life? I'm 18 years out of law school. I feel underaccomplished relative to these luminaries here in Davos. How stupid am I? Okay, so I'm telling you to do something that even in my midlife at age 43, I was still doing, comparing myself to others. And so this is a message to you out there at 21, relax. If you're age 20, relax. Don't compare yourself to others. The epiphany I had on that trip in Davos was that I just was going to do my very best to be myself and to follow my own path. Uh, I didn't pick my parents, the location of my birth. I didn't pick some of the breaks that I got in my life. I didn't pick some of the disasters that happened to me in my life. Uh, But what I can do is I can adjust my attitude towards those things, and I can persevere and try to find my dream, try to intersect with the goals that I have, irrespective of what's going on around me. So uh, people have bad vices, no question. There's greed, pride, envy, fear, uh, but there's also good virtues. There's kindness, and there's generosity, and there's uh, 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 gentlemanly or gentlewomanly spirit. There's optimism. There's love. We can transcend the bad things and dial up the virtues in our lives if we focus on trying to be the best version of ourselves every single day. Now, I'll tell you why and how these three lessons matter to me. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, my, my relationship with my parents uh, at times was strained, but most of the time it was very good. Uh, they put us in a fairly uh, disciplined home. They gave us a lot of love. Uh, there was some corporal punishment going there as well because uh, it was an old school uh, place. And my father uh, was pretty strict disciplinary. It was super important for him that we did our homework. He had not gone to college Uh, He wanted his children to go to college. Uh, I can remember for uh, the early part of my life, my father telling me I was going to go to either Hofstra or CW Post. Uh, Those are the two colleges near my home. And it was very important for him that we studied hard in school to go to those places. Uh, And when my dad was in his early 50s or perhaps his late 40s, he met a gentleman by the name of Billy Tommaso, who was selling crushed aggregate to the stone company that my father spent 42 years working at. And he went to my dad one day and said, hey, what are, your, what are your sons doing for college? Where do you think they're going to go? And my dad said, well, they're probably going to go to Hofstra. I think maybe Adelphi was thrown in there or CW Post. And Billy said to my dad, no, 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 they're not going there. They're going to go to a school called Tufts. And my father said, okay, why is that? He said, well, I went there. It really changed my life. It was a great school. Uh, I'm going to help your kids get into a school called Tufts. So my dad had to be at his home for dinner at 5.15 in the evening, unless you were playing sports. If you weren't there for dinner, you got, you got smacked or ripped up in some way. And so my brother and I, my younger sister, we always showed up 5.15 for dinner. My dad walks in one night and says, okay. He looks at my brother David, my older brother. He says, you're going to a school called Tufts. And my brother said, I've never heard of Tufts. Dad, what is that? He goes, Let me, it's T-O-U-G-H-S, Tufts. Okay, so my brother got the Barron's book out. If you're older, you'll remember that we didn't go on the Internet to look up colleges or there wasn't a U.S. News and World Report ranking. There was a very thick phone book. It said the Barron's Guide to Colleges. My brother flipped through the book. He realized that Tufts was spelled T-U-F-T-S, and it said most selective next to it, which meant that it was super hard to get into. And my brother looked at my dad and said, hey, Pop, 
I don't think Anthony and I are going to Tufts. No, no, no. You're going to go to Tufts. You're going to meet with this guy, Billy Tommaso, and you end up going to Tufts. And guess what? My brother ended up getting into Tufts. And a couple of years thereafter, I got into Tufts. Uh, but it wasn't until my dad handed me a $10,000 check. He had cashed in his life insurance policy uh, that I think he had as benefit from his union or from the company. Uh, he gave me a $10,000 check uh, sometime in June or July of 1982. And he said, here, we're going to put this towards your tuition. I said, well, wait a minute, Dad. You don't have any life insurance now. He goes, no, that's okay. I think it's more important for you to get educated. And I will never forget that moment because it was an epiphany for me. It rang my bell. I said, my God, if my father's willing to do this for me, I have to return the favor back to him and work super hard in school. And so I geared myself up, uh, changed my attitude. I mean, I'm talking about a red 1979 Berlinetta with a Pioneer stereo and an AudioVox power booster. So you, you turn the stereo on, there were seven speakers in the car, a subwoofer, you turn the stereo on, put the volume up, wasn't loud enough for an Italian kid like me from Long Island. I had to click the power booster to make it even louder. And then, of course, I rolled down all the windows. I had my gold chain and my, my red horn on the uh, rearview mirror. And I was driving around blasting that sort of music, uh, doing stupid things in high school. Uh, but got my bell rung right after high school by my dad. And I went to Tufts with a very, very high conviction that I was going to study, take it seriously, and no longer have this desultory uh, relationship with myself where I was going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a lot of nothing. Uh, so, so make it happen for yourself, okay? Uh, drive yourself. Make luck happen. Uh, I met uh, a, a gentleman by the name of David Dorst at Goldman Sachs. Uh, there was no Google at the time. I had to look him up in a, in a phone book. I told this story in my first podcast. I cold called him and then waited for hours to meet him. Uh, spend time writing. Spend time reading. Uh, uh, send out letters. Uh, how about a handwritten letter to people offering them thanks or asking them for advice? Invite people into your circle that are older than you who you admire, who you think could be mentors of yours, and ask them not only about things that they did right, but ask them about the mistakes that they've made. I had a really bad experience in February of 1991. Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait. Uh, the market took a big hit. Uh, the real estate markets in New York City were in recession. I was working as an investment banker in the real estate department at Goldman Sachs, and I got fired. I've mentioned this before. I've written about it. I probably said it a few times in other podcasts. Uh, I was terrible at my job. A gentleman by the name of Michael Facitelli fired me. Uh, but then because he's such a terrific guy, he helped me secure the correct job that fit my personality. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're at a summer place and you don't like the place that you're at, figure out why. Figure out what aspects of the place you don't like, the people, the work. Figure out why. Don't do the job because your parents want you to. Don't do the job because you think it makes you have higher social status in your peer group. Try to find a job that fits your personality. But listen to me on this. This is super important. Really try not to burn relationships. You've got to keep bridges open to all of the people in your life. 
Uh, and with Mike Vasatelli, even though he fired me, I reached out to him in the classiest way that I could and thanked him for hiring me in the first place and said, Michael, I know it's hard for you to fire me, but could you please help me find a job somewhere else? Uh, and that's how I met, of course, Bob Castrignano, who was on one of our prior podcasts. I encourage you to listen to that. Uh, Bobby's been a uh, 25-year friend of mine, trained me at Goldman in the uh, Goldman Sachs training program. Uh, and this is how it works. Guys, you got to listen to me. Build the network. Reach out to people. Be proactive. Stay current. Above all else, kindness, soulfulness. Uh, you don't prove anything to anybody by being arrogant. When I see arrogance, the next word that comes into my mind is insecurity. When I see somebody belittling another person, I say to myself, oh, my God, that person must feel terrible about themselves. They must have really low self-esteem for them to be picking on or saying nasty things to somebody. You better be nice to the waitresses or the waiters when you're in a restaurant, particularly if you're on a first date. I can tell right away uh, a, a client or a potential client or a potential employee right away, what do they act like when they're with the waiter or the waitress? If you go on a first date, you're here in New York City, you're a summer intern, you meet somebody, you're on a date, watch how they interact with the waiter. You know, the waiter is a very interesting thing because it's a one-off interpersonal transaction where the party that's being served feels that there's never going to be another interaction with that person again. So how are they going to treat the person that matters least to them? Are they going to be kind and considerate or obnoxious and belittling? It'll tell you a lot about the person and the personalities. Uh, develop these relationships. Make these opportunities happen for yourself. Stay current with people. Uh, I got very, very lucky at Goldman. I was able to uh, uh, hook up with Andrew K. Bozart, Jr. Uh, and Andy and I built a, a great business that we sold to Newberger Ber Berman. Met another one of my closest friends there, Bob Matza, who was the president and chief operating officer of Newberger. Absolutely phenomenal guy. Uh, uh, we sold that business to Lehman. And then in 2005, I left Lehman Brothers to start Skybridge. Uh, a little cute story there. We had no name for the company. I was driving into New York City from Long Island, no name on the new company, listening to Bloomberg News Radio, and it was reported that Highbridge Capital Management was sold to J.P. Morgan for $1.445 billion. I picked up the phone and called an intern of mine, Ryan Barnes, in the office. I said, Ryan, we got to find something that rhymes with Highbridge. This is really good karma that these guys sold this business. He said, okay, stand by. Let me start Googling things. And then he called me back. He said, hey, listen, Anthony, uh, Skybridge is available. It rhymes with Highbridge. Your last name is Scaramucci, letter S, so on and so forth. What do you say? We go uh, lock in that name. I said, go do it. Uh, and thus uh, is a, uh, a name uh, that we're very proud to have. Um, the truth of the matter is, uh, Michael Dell once said this to me, it doesn't really matter what the name is. As an example, Michael pointed out that the word Lexus wasn't even a word. It was a made-up word for the Toyota Motor Corporation, but now Lexus does represent something. It is a branded automobile. You can like or dislike Lexus, but at least you know what it is. Uh, and he said, so you can call your company anything uh, people will eventually define that company by the people that are in it, its culture, the success, and the performance of the organization. So, so uh, think about that. 
as it relates to you personally, you have a name. Now, maybe you like your name, maybe you don't like your name, but your actions, your words, the things that you do with other people, how you interact with each other, boy, that's going to tell you a lot about your own personal brand. Uh, I want to keep going here on life lessons. Uh, Bad things will happen in life. Really, really sorry to tell you that. Maybe your parents told you that. If they didn't tell you, wake up. Bad things are going to happen in life. You're not going to have a perfect scenario. The slope towards whatever your destination is going to be is jagged. It's not smooth. It doesn't move at a 45-degree angle. And so people sort of think that when they get started in their careers. Uh, uh, But I'm here to tell you that I've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of mistakes, lots of anxiety. One of the things that you cannot do is have self-pity. Because, again, when someone comes into my office and they're expressing the self-pity and the woe is me sorts of things, I say, okay, this person feels super entitled. Like life actually owes them something and there should be a fairness to life. Well, ladies and gentlemen, life is completely unfair, but let me give you good news. If you're listening to this podcast on your iPhone, you won the lottery. You're part of the Western developed world. You're part of the global market-based capitalist system that's allowed you and your family to rise from poverty and rise from caves to have some level of quality of life. So you've already won the lottery if you're able to listen to a podcast like this. So be resilient, bounce. When bad things happen, say, okay, wow, that's a really terrible thing that just happened to me. I'm going to go out and prove to people that even though that bad thing happened to me, I have the type of character, the type of courage where I'm going to bounce off of this bad thing and keep going. Now, I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating again. Uh, You don't want to be a person that kisses up and slaps down. If anything, the culture at Skybridge is slap up and kiss down. If you've got a problem with me, come and tell me. I'll try to fix the organization. I have been in organizations where the leadership is isolated. Uh, The sycophants are surrounding the leader and flattering the leader. And so the leader is surprised when things go wrong uh, because they're being fed a line of BS from their counterparts. Um, And so, so open yourself up. Uh, make sure that you're willing to uh, be honest. Make sure that you're willing to uh, focus on the, uh, 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 the people around you in a way where they feel that you're authentic uh, and push, push yourself. Now, I want to tell a, a quick, quick story, uh, and this is about a, a, a situation. Uh, I'm not going to mention the name of the team because I think it'll be unfair. and People will immediately figure out who I'm talking about. You can uh, tweet at me, and I'll give you more hints, but I would prefer not to mention the names because it's a little de-class. But I was in a a situation where I was at a stadium, baseball stadium. Uh, One of the luminaries at the stadium invited me down to the clubhouse, and I was walking down uh, through the stadium to the clubhouse door, and at the clubhouse door, there was a, uh, a guard there, a security guard. He's a 25-year-old kid. And uh, he said to me, I'm sorry, Mr. Scaramucci, you don't have the right pass to get into the clubhouse. I can only let the luminary into the clubhouse. I said, that's fine. No problem. I'll wait outside. And I waited outside the clubhouse, and I talked to him. I said, hey, 
you like your job? He says, yes, sir, I love my job. I said, great. I said, well, how long have you been working here? He says, well, I've been working here for five years. I've graduated to this position here guarding the clubhouse door, and it's been fantastic. I said, well, what do you think of the players? Do you like the players? Uh, 24 of them I like. Well, in case you don't know, there's 25 players on a Major League Baseball team. 24 of them. Yeah, there's 24 of them. are super nice. They're great guys. There's one guy. There's one guy that spits his sunflower seeds on the floor, on the rug in front of his dugout, and then barks at me and my colleagues and says, hey, get your ass over here and clean this up. There's one guy that short shifts us and doesn't give any tip or Christmas gratuity or any season-ending gratuity to the guys that are literally picking up his wet towels and cleaning up his laundry and uh, making sure his bats have been polished properly and tarred properly. There's one guy that I'm here to tell you that not only do I not like and do the staff people here not like, but his teammates don't really like him. They think he's a complete phony. I said, oh, my God, okay, and so I'm not going to tell you who that guy was, but I am going to say this to you, don't be that guy, right? Work closely with your teammates. Make sure that your teammates, even if you're in a summer internship, make sure that people that are from the other colleges or the same age group as you, make sure they feel that you're a super helpful person, that you're looking out for their interests. You do not want to be that person, okay? Fourth thing, super important. We live in a culture of grievance. Everybody's got an issue with each other. Everybody has to sanitize their language. We need safe spaces in our colleges. We have all this sort of nonsense that we want to provide terrorists with love and all this stupid stupidity, okay? People think that if you are white and you live in the United States, well, then you are privileged, and as a result of which you should feel some level of shame for being white and living in the United States, okay? I find that to be a total bunch of BS. Uh, and if you're feeling that at your campuses or you're feeling that in your current workplace, resist it, okay? Resistance in this situation is not futile. You need to be proud of who you are, proud of who, what your origin in, no matter what color you are. Uh, uh, be proud, okay? And expect people to treat you equally, uh, but not not to be uh, equal if you're not doing the work. As an example, if you're working here at Skybridge Capital, I tell people you're treated equally under the law, under the United States Constitution, the Constitution of the state of New York, you will be treated equally. But as a person that works at Skybridge, I'm going to treat you fairly. So if you're working four times harder than the other person, guess what? You're going to get paid four times as much. That's how a real society works. That's how a productive society works. If you're a Bernie Sanders fan out there, uh, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, and obviously you have your First Amendment rights. But do a little homework. Understand why these socialist systems have completely failed, except for one thing. They are fantastic at 99.5% income equality. Everyone in the system is poor. Everyone in the system. Half a percent sits at the hoop right around the government, and they lick off the government, and they take the lucre for themselves and their family, and they live behind armed guards in big mansions on the sea. But the other 99.5 percent, you got the income equality uh, thing solved by all being poor. Okay, so it's a bunch of nonsense. Do the homework. 
you're living in a culture of grievances, but back off of it. Stop acting like a victim. Number five, hustlers, they're going to beat your brains in. If you're used to getting fed with a silver spoon and you don't adjust to the fact that there are people out there that didn't grow up the way you did and are going to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to beat your brains in, well, let me tell you something. Wake up to that, okay, because that is going to happen. Okay, so I just want to recap for everybody. Uh, uh, You have an unbelievable opportunity if you're listening to this thing and you're an intern somewhere. Uh, I don't care what the job is. Get there early. Stay late. Interact with the people. Be willing to grab coffee. Uh, Go out and get paper clips if that's what you need. Replace the toner in the copy machine. It is not beneath you. If anything, you're sending a resonating message that you're a team player that will work without attitude or ego. Uh, Remember this. People are looking at you. People are watching you. Okay, they get it. If you act entitled, if someone's uh, offering you a free meal at your summer internship and you're leaving the uh, debris and the garbage in the conference room for your mom to clean up, let me tell you something right now. Your mommy's not there. Pick it up yourself. Clean it. Leave things better condition in a better condition than the way you found it. Okay, so that's the end of me talking about this. You can tweet at me. You can follow me on Twitter at at Scaramucci. You can send us uh, emails at podcast at skybridgeinsights.com. Please subscribe to TMI on iTunes. And don't forget to rate and review it because by doing that, it'll help us continue to bring you the content that matters most. And also, please share this podcast with your friends and coworkers who you think would enjoy listening. Until next week, have a prosperous week.